Welcome into this final four edition of a quick timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Joining us live from Allen Fieldhouse is Kansas City Stars, Jesse Newell. Welcome back, Jesse. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. So you just got done with the press conference there at Allen Fieldhouse. What was the best question slash response you got from that press conference? Well, it wasn't me personally, but, uh, you know, Bill Self asked about a lot of topics. And I thought the most interesting thing from Bill Self today was he was asked about his own personal legacy and what potentially a, a second national championship would do for him. And it was an interesting response. You know, Bill Self, he likes to not make it about himself. And so we kind of did that to start with talking about him and his staff and his program, all that sort of stuff. But uh, he did speak about, hey, look, recently Villanova's won a couple titles and North Carolina's won a couple titles and Duke's won a couple titles. And, you know, if you were going to poke holes at potentially what Kansas hasn't done under Bill Self in his 19 seasons as much as some of those other schools, you would say, you know, national title. He's won one back in 2008, and, and that was obviously a magical year for them. But I know they haven't held up that trophy as much. So for him to talk about that and basically be pretty blunt with that, I mean, Bill Self has been so amazing in this building at dominating uh, the regular season and winning 14 straight conference titles, making the final or making the Hall of Fame basically based you know on the heels of that. But uh, for him to be so open about, hey, uh, this place, this program deserves to have more titles and deserves to have another one here soon. I thought that was pretty interesting and pretty telling and, again, pretty open and honest on Bill Self's part to, to talk about that in this particular week. How do you feel that he feels about his team right now? Uh, you know, it's it's so interesting to think about this through the lens of Kansas basketball because there's been years here where things have kind of come together and you always felt like this could be a team that wins it all. And 2008 was one of those years, but 2010 was one. 2011, when the bracket opened up in front of them, uh, was another one. 2020 was one where they would have been the number one overall seed, but then COVID canceled the tournament. This year has not been that. I mean, just to be completely honest with you, it has not been uh, this is the team of destiny for Kansas. It's it's probably been, you know, middle of the pack for Bill Self teams. I mean, that's a credit to Bill Self, but this has not been a magical year for them. I mean, they kind of got into that one seed conversation in the last week of the season, but this is a year where the bracket did open up for them and they caught a couple breaks along the way. And then the big thing that's happened two big things, which is defensively, they've really locked in toward the end of the season, which allowed them to win some games when they haven't shot the ball. Well, and then Remy Martin has just emerged at the, you know, the point guard position and given them a completely different dimension uh, based off what they'd had before. So it's been pretty impressive to watch that and see that uh, here in the recent weeks, but that's really kind of what's changed them over time. And that Miami game, you know, touched on the things that you just mentioned there. Do you feel like that was a that was a game where we saw who they are and what they can be, or do you still feel like they have another another notch? Well, yeah, the Elite Eight. If you outscore somebody forty-seven to fifteen and a half, uh, you're going to basically say that's about that's about the level you can reach. But you know, Bill Self teams over time, it's and I'm sure coaches can relate to this. When the stakes are that high and you are the favorite. There can be some pressure. I mean, these guys feel the pressure of the NCAA tournament. And so for Kansas, for two and a half games there, they were not playing like Kansas during their regular season. You know, they were tight. They weren't taking open shots. You know, guys were hesitating. And really, that's how Remy Martin saved them is he kind of came in from the outside, this being his only year at Kansas. And he wasn't playing fearful. He was going in there kind of saving them offensively. But yeah, the, as Bill Self would say, the lid came off the basket against Miami. And so for them to play more free, they're amazing in transition. They get out and run. 
uh, do that. And then guys like Christian Brown taking threes, you know, Ochai Abaji making some, uh, everything really went their way. And then kind of an interesting X's and O's thing happened in the second half. Cameron McGusty for Miami was doing a great job off isolations and really, you know, getting to the basket uh, when he wanted to, making some mid-range jumpers over KU's players. And this is only the second time it's happened this season for Kansas, but they they uh, switch all guard-to-guard screens, uh, the four guards on the court because they play with a four-guard lineup. But uh, they went to the locker room, and Dewan Harris basically said, no, I'm taking Gus McGusty. That's it. Uh, that's going to be it. And so they stopped switching off of him, and Dewan Harris locked him down in the second half, didn't let him get going, and that really key KU's defense. Again, Miami was 15 second-half points, which was a huge key for them to, to pull away in that second half. So the only other time was Nigel Pack. KU played at K-State, and Nigel Pack went crazy in the first half. Dewan Harris locked in on him in the second half, and KU overcame a 16-point deficit in that game and, and won that one too. So for KU to have those sorts of pieces and those sorts of players to step up at that time, yeah, that's about the ceiling of what they can play. The the question is whether you can bottle that and, again, whether that will be as easy against a team like Villanova as it was against Miami in that second half. Yeah, how do you think that they match up specifically with Villanova, you know, especially now that Moore's out of the game? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a big loss for Villanova in this sense, which is – um, I've always been fascinated by that. Like how much does one player missing mean? And I remember even going back and calling Vegas odds makers. I was shocked at the time, but Joel Embiid had to miss some early games for Kansas way back in 2014. And I remember calling odds makers saying, Hey, how much of a difference is this going to make in the Vegas line? And I was thinking you know, five points, 10 points, what's it going to be? And they told me a point or two um, with Joel Embiid. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's really good. But their point was, look, when you play at Kansas and you have the depth that Kansas has, the guy behind him is going to be pretty good too. And, you know, Kansas had some pretty good players. Now I say all that and Kansas ended up losing that game to Stanford. So obviously (laughs) maybe it was a big difference, but the difference with Moore is that Villanova, you look up their bench minutes. I think they're somewhere in the three twenties. They're not used to going to guys behind him like other teams might be. And so that's kind of where it's played in the Kansas advantage, sort of like Creighton, you know, Creighton lost almost very similarly, Ryan Cockbrenner, their big anchor center in the middle uh, right before their game against Kansas. And Creighton had to scramble because they didn't like to go seven or eight deep on their bench. They like to go six deep. So that's sort of where Villanova is at at this point. I think the benefit that Villanova has is they have a week to think about it, a week to scheme, all those sorts of things. But it, I do think it's a two or three point difference because that's going to force Villanova into a place that it doesn't want to go to. But I mean, it's such a fascinating matchup for the X's and O's because we know Bill Self style um, now. And again, he's transitioned over time, but they play the four guards with kind of the anchor big man with Dave McCormick, who doesn't like to be pulled away from the basket. Villanova plays, you know, they post their guards and they shoot their big men, but they like to pull those guys away from the basket. And it's so similar to 2018. I mean, this is what happened with Kansas in 2018. They had Yudoka Azabuki manning the lane. He didn't like to come out to the perimeter. Villanova bombed threes against them all game, and that wasn't much of a game in the Final Four. So Kansas, very similar this year. They have David McCormick, doesn't like to be pulled away from the basket. We'll see who wins and prevails with that matchup because David potentially could draw fouls, which would be huge for Kansas, but he also could have three shot over him, which could force him out of the game. So very similar in those regards. And, uh, you know, Villanova, they're going to come to jump stops in the lane. They're going to try to get you in the air. KU really struggled against Miami, getting in the air, fouling those guys. So they have to be better disciplined. But Villanova going to be the best free throw shooting team of all time when this year's been done. So KU can't afford to put them at, at the charity stripe if they want to win this game. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. 
And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Have you seen them do anything defensively? I mean, full court pressing, anything. When you lose a guard like that to maybe put more pressure on Colin Gillespie or, you know, I would imagine that he would have to play more minutes now. And, I mean, has Kansas done anything like that or faced anybody like that that they've been able to kind of wear down like that? Yeah, I think the best example, and this is something that Bill Self probably has learned from NCAA tournament experience over time, is I just think back to the – I talked about the 2010 team. They could have won the national championship. They were so good that year. But they played a team in northern Iowa. They just love to slow down the pace. And they KU sort of let northern Iowa dictate that. And you even saw there were kind of some minor things where if KU would make a basket, the northern Iowa guy would kind of look at the ball for a few seconds and not pick it up. And then, oh, mosey over, pick it up, take a couple seconds, and then inbound it. And then the guy would walk it up the court. And again, if you're Northern Iowa, you want fewer possessions. You want to walk this thing up. You don't want this race against Kansas. And obviously that ended up being a, a great moment for the Panthers, probably the biggest moment of their history. But um, the example I would point to is Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament, uh, another team that really likes to um, slow things down and uh, you know, kind of limit the pace if they can and, and didn't have um, great depth, uh, you know, potentially uh, behind. I guess they, they, they rotate guys. But what I was going to say is that pressing to not turn them over, but pressing to 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 limit them in the shot clock, pressing them to make them feel you in the backcourt, pressing them to, to stress them out, if you will. And it's it's tougher this time of year with the three minute media timeouts and the longer half times to kind of wear teams down. But I definitely could see KU kind of throwing that. Uh, you know, that sort of just, hey, we're going to throw this press at you not to turn you over, but just to kind of bother you. And they have some guards that can do it. DeWan Harris can do it. Remy Martin can do it. Joseph Yesif off the bench if they need him can do it as well. But that potentially could be something to try to to speed Villanova up just a little bit. Get him going just a little bit and try to play this at KU's pace, which, uh, again, if you want more possessions or transition, that's the way that the Jayhawks will want this game to go. I feel like once you get to this time of the year, especially if you're planning to win a championship, you you got to have – at least two guys, you get that third guy, and like there's a really good chance you win that championship. It was pretty obvious that, you know, Abaji, the first two games really kind of wasn't himself. Was anything like spoken either officially or any like rumblings about his performance? Obviously, it was better last game, but, you know, to your point, they had multiple guys step up, which is why they blew out Miami. But is that a concern at all? I think it's a concern, and it has been a concern. Like you said, he played better against Miami, but um, I think this is human nature. And, you know, people always ask me, like, are you worried about Ochai Abaji's shot? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, Ochai Abaji can shoot the basketball. I'm worried about him putting the weight of the world on his shoulders because he's a Kansas yeah. City kid. This is his last go-around. He knows his legacy is at stake. He knows, you know, this could this, not now that they made the Final Four, but if this team would have lost in the round of 32 to Creighton, I mean, that's remembered a lot differently than – if you make a final four, go to the national championship, potentially win the national championship. I mean, you're talking a difference of like, you know, Frank Mason, again, Frank Mason's beloved around these parts, but you know, they didn't make it. They, they didn't get to that ultimate place. Perry Ellis, same sort of thing. I mean, it's just, it's a different feeling in your head. Whereas, I mean, if Ochai Abaji leads them to the national championship, I mean, his, his rafters already, or his jersey is already going to be right over there, but it goes to a different level. And 
I mean, to kind of harken back to the past for Kansas, um, and I talk about a team that wasn't expected to make a run and did. I mean, this is a one seed, so let's not talk about Kansas being super Cinderella here. But, you know, you think back to like a Danny Manning. I mean, a guy that just was in the community, was the face of the program, was the All-American, and, and lifted a team to a title. And I'm telling you, you know, when Danny Manning walks around these parks or is in Lawrence or is seen around or if there's stories about him, everybody's still interested. And that's the sort of thing Ojai can do. And, I mean, he he played like that. You know, he played like he knew all of that was in the back of his head and the rest of his life potentially, you know, would be determined over the next course, the next few weeks. So hopefully for his, for his sake, I mean, he's a great kid. Uh, he just is. And um, hopefully for his sake, he can take a deep breath. Now that they're in the Final Four, they've accomplished something and go play like he has the rest of the season. But for him, I think sometimes the pressure does get to him. We saw in this building on senior night uh, when they played Texas, that was his other worst game of the year. I think he started at 0 for 10 in that game. And so um, if he can take a deep breath, relax, like he was able to do the second half against Miami, then potentially Kansas has a, a little bit better of a chance of these next two games just because if they get that player they've had all season to go along with Remy, uh, then they've got a nice one-two punch there. So true or false, Remy Martin is the key to a championship run for the Jayhawks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of like a, a hedge in there, you know, sort of, kind of. I mean – the funny thing is Remy, Remy is important when Kansas isn't playing well. And Remy is not as important when Kansas is playing well. So it probably is one of the biggest keys because against Creighton, KU wasn't playing well. He came in and made some shots when they were running, as Bill Self calls it, crap offense. Sometimes you need a dude to just go in there and make a play. I mean, make something out, out of script. I mean, we know Bill Self's after timeout plays are some of the best in college basketball, but when those aren't working and guys are tight and they're not taking shots, you just need a dude to take two dribbles in, turn around his back shoulder, shoot a fadeaway, and oh, it goes in. And Bill Self starts clapping because, you know, not great coaching, but it's two points all the same. So there's probably going to come that moment, you would think, in these next two games, uh, potentially two games, at least one game against Villanova and then either Duke or North Carolina. So, He's important because when things get stagnant for Kansas or guys get a little bit nervous or guys are hesitating to shoot, he's sort of that lightning rod off the bench that's able to go in there and, and sort of spark them when things aren't going well. And you need that in the tournament. I mean, okay, you need it against Creighton. They need it against Providence, and I'm sure they're going to need it in the Final Four. So, yeah, he's he's one of the biggest keys. And Bill Self talked about him coming back. He's so energetic. He gave them a different level of confidence because they won without him to win the Big 12 title for most of the season when he missed those seven games with a knee injury. But now they're learning, oh, my gosh, this is where you get to and the confidence you get to when you know that dude is on your team as well and he can kind of bail you out of some situations when things aren't going your way. If Kansas beats Villanova, who do you think that they would rather play? Well, I always look at this through a, a Vegas lens. Uh, you know, How much are they going to be favored by? Because to me, um, this time of year, I, I'm, I know it's a coaching podcast here, so this maybe I'll get uh, smacked back down after, after this whole thing happens, but – we can overanalyze matchups a lot and like, oh, and, and, and after the fact, after team loses, oh, this was a bad matchup for them. But you usually hear that after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of try to think of this on a, a big spectrum. You know, sometimes you're going to play in your 99th percentile. Sometimes you're going to play in your 10th. Um, so sometimes these matchups get dictated because, hey, this this stretch five, he hit some shots this game. And sometimes he doesn't hit those shots and your defensive plan looks a lot better. I mean, going back to uh, to Creighton. And, uh, and McDermott, uh, you know, putting out his game plan. He, he planned to have his team that was undersized shoot a bunch of threes against Kansas. And the previous game, I think they started off the game 0 for 18 from three. Um, so, again, that seems like a, a really dumb thing to do until Creighton makes eight of its first 11 threes against Kansas. Then the guy's a genius. You know what I mean? So we can talk these matchups to death, but the bottom line is Kansas would be favored by more against Carolina. 
than Duke because over the course of the season, Duke has proven to be the better team than Carolina. So when you look at the Creighton game, when you look at the Providence game for Kansas, the Jayhawks did not play that well. And there were times where it looked pretty grim for them, but they didn't play well and they weren't down by 10. They were down by two or three, or they were down by six at halftime, even against Miami. You know, they were six point favorites against Miami. They didn't play well and they were down six. If you're down six against Miami, there's more of a path back than if you're down six at halftime against Gonzaga. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So for Kansas, the greater wiggle room would be Carolina and potentially having that matchup. But um, either way, if that happens, man, Kansas Duke or Kansas Carolina in the championship game, uh, that would be must-see television for a lot of people, I think. So that leads me then to the Jayhawks will win the championship if what? I, I think the I think the biggest key for them is playing free with a free mind. Um, I just do. You know, that first half against Miami, they were 6-for-12 on layups and dunks. They were 3-for-9 from the free throw line. They were 0-for-5 from three. I mean, if, if, if that doesn't scream tight team to you, then I don't know what does. Um, but if the lid comes off and they can just sort of play with a free mind and not make the moment bigger than it is, which it is a big moment, um, and they if they show themselves to be what they've been offensively this year, which if they move the ball, they share it, if those wings get downhill – uh, to those drives, they get those empty ball screens, which has been a real big thing for them this year to try to draw the defense away. If they do those sorts of things and share the ball and play freely, this is a really tough offense to stop, not to mention, like I said, you get Remy Martin and then uh, on the on fast breaks along with Christian Brown um, running to the corner, uh, Ochai Abaja running to the corner. This is one of the most, if not the most dangerous team in transition that is that has been there in college basketball this year. So if their offense resembles what their offense has over time, I really like their chances. I mean, they're going to be a favorite in both of these games, <laughs> no matter who they play, which is a crazy thing to say in the sense of a tournament when I say, hey, you know, Kansas was not the dominant team of Bill Self's past coming in. But, you know, if if they play their game and look like they normally do offensively, I think they've made strides defensively where they're connected. They've been switching one through four. Uh, they've communicating better with their points and being able to switch those off-ball actions, which, again, takes actions out of the games and makes players beat you been real good with that lately so if Kansas is able to kind of be the offensive selves they've been and go along with the defense that they've been lately then yeah I love their chances to be able to beat Villanova and then give themselves a shot in the national title game is that an official prediction not yet uh, the uh the quick scout blog for every uh game comes out uh my with my prediction right before the game so I, i'll reserve judgment until i watch a little bit more uh villanova film i'm gonna sound like a coach here gotta watch the film gotta go back to the film here <laughs> but uh I, I do like to do that you know i mean it is good to kind of pull that up but um villanova like, like i said i mean you look at them and it's just it's a j right team you know like they 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 make their free throws they get to the free throw line some they come to jump stops they they, they play position defense. They don't turn it over and they don't foul you. So um, it's almost, you know, I remember looking for that quick scout blog in 2018 and looking at Villanova and saying, this is what they are. And, and looking at the numbers so far on Ken Palm so far, you know, with, with the Wildcats this year, it's like, this seems pretty similar to what I was reading up in 2018 too. Jesse does a great job incorporating more than just like the journalist side of stuff and has the X's and O's and stuff. So be sure to follow him. And where can they follow you on social media? Yeah, at Jesse Knowles, the Twitter account. And, uh, yeah, you will get all sorts of nerdy stuff on there, whether it's the Ken Palms or uh, some fascinating stuff. Uh, KU Miami, it was sort of fascinating because I wrote about this one Bill Self play that he runs uh, this past offseason. And then 
I was in Orlando when KU and Miami both played, and Miami ran the play four times in front of me while facing Dayton. So uh, I've got video up there of those two teams running the same play, and Charlie Moore was with Kansas, and then he was with Miami. So he, he's running the same play with different teams um, and got some information about that, how Miami you know, got it from EuroLeague. But, hey, their coaches had a coaches meeting, and they showed Kansas running it to success, so they decided to put in the playbook. So there's some of that nerdy stuff in there, too, if you want to check it out. But, uh, yeah, kind of trying to hit this thing from all angles and make sure uh, we, we don't leave any, uh, any rocks unturned when it comes to Kansas coverage. Yeah, awesome stuff. That's Kansas City beat writer Jesse Newell. Jesse, thank you as always. I appreciate you having me.